Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Marshall. If you think you're being sympathetic when you tell someone, I know exactly how you feel, think again. Most people will come right back with, you don't know how I feel. How could you know? I'm different. It's good to express one's individuality, but to insist upon being different can bring about unbearable loneliness. A person can be lost without an alter ego, someone to confide in. And it is not always easy to find a confidant, especially for men who are far from home, such as those we are about to meet aboard a sailing ship. Who's there? I've brought your breakfast, sir. How dare you enter my cabin without knocking? With Captain Briggs, I always come I don't care what you did for Captain Briggs. I'm in command now. You will never enter this cabin without knocking on the door. Is that understood? Yes, Captain. Now get out. That was a near thing, wasn't it? It's too near. We can't let it happen again. What's the use? I'm worse off than I was before. Either way, it looks as though I'm doomed to be hanged. Our mystery drama, The Secret Sharer, is from a story by Joseph Conrad, adapted especially for the Mystery Theater by Elizabeth Pennell, and stars Norman Rose and Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Joseph Conrad was acclaimed for his powerful stories of the sea. Born in Poland... A tragic childhood included exile to Russia with his parents, who died there. In his youth, an uncle managed to get him to a French ship, where he became an apprentice seaman. Later, he joined the English Merchant Service, where he rose through the ranks and knew firsthand the vicissitudes of 19th century life on a sailing ship. His true adventures were the basis for the stories he wrote. And mysticism ran deep as he imagined himself as the captain in the tale we're about to hear. Come aboard a four-masted schooner, which has just been loaded with a cargo of tea and spices from the Middle East to be transported across the Indian Ocean. Steward, where's my supper? Well, I'm waiting for the captain. Well, we won't wait any longer. He makes his own rules. But I thought... Yes, I know. You thought when a ship was in port that the captain and first mate always took supper together. Well, that's the way it was with you and Captain Briggs. (laughs) Perhaps it's better this way. If I may say so, sir, this captain's a strange one. Oh, a young fellow like you should keep his mouth shut. I'll keep my eyes open. I hope you can figure him out better than I can. Trouble is, he never asked my opinion. Not the way Captain Briggs used to. He acts as though he's too good for the likes of me. Not wanting to talk. He doesn't talk very much to anybody. But I'm the first mate. He's coming, sir. Uh, your supper's ready, Captain. Thank you. 
Sorry not to have joined you, Jackson, but I had some things to tend to. Are you aware that there is a ship anchored inside the islands? Oh, no, sir. Bless my soul. Another ship, you say? Well, how could she possibly be... I don't know. With all those rocks and inlets out there, I saw her mastheads above the ridge as the sun went down. Uh, I know about that ship, sir. You do? Why didn't you tell me? Let the steward tell us what he knows. Well, she draws over 20 feet. She's the Liverpool ship Sephora with a cargo of coal 123 days from Cardiff. Ah, how does a steward pick up information like that? The tugboat skipper told me when he brought the fruit and vegetables. He says they'll take her up the river to shore day after tomorrow. That's enough. I'll find out anything else the captain wants to know. There's nothing more we can find out tonight. Oh, uh, I'll take the watch, sir. No, no, you and the crew have had two days of hard work. Tell all hands to turn in without setting an anchor watch. But, sir... I'll be on deck myself until two o'clock. You can relieve me then. Well, very well, Captain, but it seems most unusual. It's the I... way that I want it. Of course, at the slightest sign of wind, we'll call all hands up and make a start at once. Aye, aye, sir. It is good to be alone on deck, away from the chatter of that dim-witted first mate. The riding light on the fore-rigging burned with a clear, somehow symbolic flame in the mysterious shades of night. I was master of my soul, but not of my ship. The appointment had been too sudden. They summoned me when Captain Briggs was carried ashore with a fatal illness. I'd been in command for only a fortnight. We were still in the harbor. The crew had traveled together for 18 months and resented the newcomer. I moved to the rail and lit a cigar. Damn. A rope ladder was dangling over the side. No doubt left by a careless crewman when the tugboat came by. I started to haul it up. But something long and pale floated very close to the base of the ladder. In a faint flash of phosphorescent light, I saw the naked body of a man. Oh. A pair of feet. Long legs. A broad, livid back. Immersed up to the neck in a greenish, cadaverous glow. One hand clutched the bottom rung of the ladder. Complete, except for the head. A headless corpse. There was a splash. And I saw a glistening shock of black hair. And then, total silence. As the man held on to the bottom rung, making no attempt to climb aboard. I leaned far over the railing. What's the matter? Grant! No need to call anyone. I was not going to. Are you alone on deck? Yes. I suppose your captain has turned in? I'm sure he hasn't. Look, could you call him out quietly? I am the captain. Who are you? My name is Liggett. What are you doing down there? I've been in the water since nine o'clock. Now the question is, do I let go of this ladder and keep swimming till I sink from exhaustion? Or may I come aboard? Climb up the ladder quietly and I'll fetch you some clothes. Tell me, Captain. Keep your voice down. No reason to summon the crew. Put this on. Well, you must have been expecting me. These pajamas are just my size. They're mine. Now, tell me what you're up to. 
Well, it's an ugly business. There's a ship over there about a mile away. I'm aware of that. The Sephora. Yes. I'm the mate of the Sephora. At least I was. I can only assume that something's gone wrong. Very wrong. I've killed a man. What? You deliberately took a man's life? I didn't deliberately do anything. And to call him a man would be... No, 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 down. If you cause a commotion, I'll have you put in irons. Well, it's obvious that I'm at your mercy. I have little use for a man who gives way to fits of anger. As do I. Anyone trained at Conway learns how to curb a temper. You are a Conway boy? Yes. Well, I learned discipline at Conway, too. Although it must have been several years before your time. Then you know... I know that murder is a very serious charge. Now, you'd better tell me your story from the beginning. Our creaking old ship was caught in the teeth of a devouring gale. A hurricane tore the canvas and howled like a thousand fiends. Hold on the sheets before the mainsail start away. You'll have to haul in more than the mainsail, Captain. The mast should be bare as posts in a sea like this. You there! Take to the shrouds! Captain, the parcel! We'll have to reap it or she'll kill over for sure. The sea's gone mad. Every man for himself. We're lost. There's never been such a sea. Sailor, give me a hand. I'm not going out there in a wind like this. Do as I say. Grab hold of this halyard. No, there's a bigger one coming. A wave a mile high. All hands to the rigging. I repeat. Don't let go until we make it firm. You heard the captain. Pull! Damn you, I ought to put this rope around your neck. Now that it's tight, I'll take care of you in my bare hands. Here she comes. Look out! You down below! Look out! miserable sailor. When the big wave crashed, it was as if the sky had fallen. Everything but the mast disappeared, with a poop awash in a smother of foam. Down below, the two of us were pounded against the focusel, and the sailor got it head on. I loosened my fingers and gazed in horror at a face that had turned black. The man was dead. But you were unharmed? His body cushioned my fall. Then he actually saved your life? In a strange sort of way, yes. I hadn't meant to harm him. But if that foresail hadn't been hauled in, the ship would have gone down. But between the two of you, it was reefed in time. I did it. No thanks to the crewman. If he'd obeyed my orders, we'd both have been up in the rigging. What happened next was an accident. Or an act of God. Ah. Surely you had witnesses. Yes, I did. And they acted against me. How could they? They saw me do exactly what I did. Grab that man by the throat. Next, the huge wave obliterated everything from their view. I'm not sure that I believe your story. After that one terrible crash, the sea subsided. The men scrambled down from their perches and gathered round to stare at the body. Where was the captain? Oh, he was there. Passing judgment in front of the whole crew before I even had a chance to speak. Mr. Leggett, you've killed a man. You can no longer act as chief mate of this ship. He was quite alive when the wave struck, sir. I saw it all. It was murder. We could both have been killed. We were crushed against the bulkhead. Maybe so, Mr. Leggett. But you attacked 
that sailor. Captain, the man refused to obey an order. I'm the one who gives the order. Cold-blooded murder. Hang him. Hang him. Be quiet. Quiet. That's a poor jury. In the meantime, Mr. Leggett, you will be confined to water. So they threw you in the brig? No. I was just locked up in my own filthy cabin. Captain knew full well I was responsible for saving the ship. Well, then why didn't he support you? Captain Archibald is a sick old man, afraid of his own shadow. That is your judgment. I gave him a chance to make it up to me. I'm a powerful swimmer. When we were passing through the Straits of Java, I asked him to let me escape. You must be crazy to think you could run away. You're only making matters worse. What could be worse? First, accused of murder. And now you're an escaped prisoner. That's double trouble. Unless you help me. My duty lies with my own ship and crew, not to the disgraced mate of the Sephora. You let me come on board. I'm wearing your night clothes, and you haven't locked me up. Well, so far, all I've done is to rescue a drowning man. Small chance of my drowning. I have a gold medal for swimming. And a diploma for arrogance. I'm the last person you should have come to for help. For three weeks, I've been shut in that small cabin. Tonight, we finally reached our destination. Next step is to take me on shore to face the music. And that is exactly what they'll do. Ah, but they won't, Captain. I feel in my bones there's a reason why fate has brought us together. I have not said that I'll help you. But how did you get away from the Sephora? This evening, when the steward brought my supper, I ate it all. Then I made a discovery. Miracle of miracles, he left the door unlocked. I crept out on deck, wanting nothing more than a heaven-sent lung full of fresh air. And then sudden temptation. I kicked off my shoes and plunged over the side. I started for shore, but that meant capture. So I shifted course and swam underwater until I reached the shadow of some rocks. There I pulled off my clothes and set them adrift, hoping they'd think I drowned. And then? There was no place to go. I didn't like the notion of swimming round and round until I gave out, and I didn't mean to go back. I saw your light and swam toward it. Then I saw your ladder. What luck! Imagine! A ladder hanging over at night on a ship anchored out here. You are a fool. Don't you know that they'll come looking for you? Of course. Captain Archibald will have a search party out at daybreak. Yes, and I am the first person he'll come to see. Sign me on as a member of your crew. Aren't you about ready to take off? You are out of your mind. My crew is complete, and we can't weigh anchor without a breeze. Why, we may be here for days. Then my goose is cooked. It's time for the first mate to take over the watch. I might just... Shut up. Hide in that passageway. I'll join you in a minute. Ah, did you say something to me, Captain? Oh, I... Yes. Uh, Jackson, come over here. I, I, I want to show you something. Yes, sir. Uh, take a look at this. I, I found a ladder hanging over the side. Oh, bless my soul. Must have been there since morning. I'm sorry about that, sir. Well, don't let it happen again. I'll speak to the second mate. He's the one oh, who's never in mind. charge. Never mind. Just haul it in. Yes, sir. As soon as it's light, I'll take a sharp look at that ship you say is anchored nearby. You do that, Jackson. Good night. Good night, Captain, sir. Come along. Follow me. And don't say a word. Our captain has decided to keep his unexpected passenger hidden from the crew. This is a dangerous move which could make him an accessory to a crime. 
Even if he believes no crime has been committed, a captain's duty does not include taking the law into his own hands. But somehow, a power beyond them seems to be irresistibly intertwining the destinies of these two men. We'll learn more when I return with Act Two. of the night, a man has emerged from the sea, and although the captain of a schooner has taken him aboard, there is no assurance that he has found refuge. This man, named Leggett, is wanted for murder. Now, as he follows the captain, he may have lost his last chance to escape. Noiselessly, the captain opens a door, and then, rather roughly, pushes the man ahead of him into blackness. Please, Captain. I don't think I can stand another night in the dark. Not another night alone. Well, this is my cabin. We can talk in here. The walls are thick. And the crew is sleeping. They'll be waking up soon. When daylight comes, we must not raise our voices. We could be overheard in the passageway. Captain, do you intend to keep me a prisoner here in your own cabin? For the moment, yes. Stay where you are until I light the lamp. I've never seen a cabin like this. Well, this is ten times bigger than anything on the Sephora. Or on any other merchant ship. As big as a ballroom. And certainly no place to hide. Oh, the perfect place to hide. Observe that the cabin is shaped like an L. But everything is so open. Even this large closet. Well, note how it's placed in the arm of the L, where it can't be seen from the rest of the room. Not bad. Oh, you haven't seen the best? Hmm? I don't know how many ships you've sailed on, but where did you ever see a tub like this? Why, it's marble. <laughs> it's the whimsy of a former captain. It's made in Greece. I could fall asleep in there right now. Neither of us has had any sleep. Climb into my bed and I'll rest on the couch. your breakfast, sir. How dare you enter my cabin without knocking? We, 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 Captain Briggs always permitted me to... I don't care what you did for Captain Briggs. From now on, you will never enter this cabin without knocking. Is that understood? Yes, Captain. Now, get out. Whew. That was a near thing, wasn't it? It's not for you, hidden behind those curtains. But in moments, the word will be all over the ship that I was found sleeping fully clothed on the couch. You can do what you want. You're the captain. Well, this is my first command. When I bark at the crew, it's because I don't know what else to do. And you don't know what to do with me, do you? Now, you have made everything much more complicated. Here, if you can finish my breakfast, I'm going on deck. The steward will find me when he comes to get the breakfast things. He will, unless you find a better place to hide. Your bathroom, of course. The towels have changed every day. Well, then what am I to do? I've got to leave you to your own devices. Uh, there, there, there's still the closet. In back of the clothes or, or behind the chest. Captain. Morning, Jackson. Still no sign of a breeze? Uh, not a breath, sir. But I've been keeping my eye on that ship over there, and bless my soul, but they've been busy. Well, how can you tell from this distance? The first sign of dawn, they lowered their boats, but instead of heading for shore, they've spread out in all directions. Have they come this way? Not so far. But it's very puzzling. 
keep going out to those rocks and pushing into the underbrush as though they're looking for something. Uh, it's no concern of ours. Bless my soul. Look. Look. One of their boats is headed right this way. Find out who it is. Hello. Hello out there. State your business. The captain of the Sephora wishes to speak to your captain. Very well, Jackson. Lower the ladder and have him piped aboard. Captain Archbold of the Sephora. Welcome aboard, sir. Uh, you are captain of the ship? At your service. Uh, I would have expected a much older man. Oh, well, unfortunately, my predecessor, Captain Briggs, is dead. Yes, yes, yes. Captain Briggs. I've heard about this ship. One of the prides of the fleet. But I'm honored to meet you, sir. You honor us with your visit? Though I must warn you, Captain, that we are ready to move at the slightest suspicion of wind. Well, be grateful that the elements are kind. The storm we've been through is enough to sink a battalion of ships. We were saved by God's mercy. Is there something I can do for you, sir? Uh, take me to your quarters where we can speak privately. Excuse me, Captain, if I go in first. Now, watch your step. What grand quarters. Does the cabin go all the way around here? Yes, uh, but come over to this table. Steward, bring us some brandy. I never touch liquor. Give me water. I've been on some thirsty work. Exploring those islands, painful duty. Yes, I, I'm sorry, Captain, but would you mind speaking up just a bit? Were you deaf or something? A ruptured eardrum. Almost drowned years ago. Now, what is it you want to tell me? <clears throat> Thirty-seven years at sea, and nothing like this has ever happened before. Are you sure that you won't have some brandy? I told you no. If I'd been a drinking man, I, I'd have taken to the bottle weeks ago. But the storm is over. Well, it was a rampaging monster that sought to destroy us. Yes, but obviously you survived. Only because I ordered the reefing of the topsail. How was I to know that the devil incarnate was not in the sea, but aboard my ship? I don't understand. At the height of the storm, there was murder, most foul. Murder! On a ship under my command. Strangled him, he did. In cold blood. Uh, you, you said that a wave crashed over your deck. Now, I've seen the sea kill a man very neatly by simply breaking his neck. No man killed by the sea ever looked like that. Black in the face with tongue hanging out. And the mate's fingers Clutching his throat. Oh, but if the mate was tending to the foresail... God's own hand did that and no one else. I never trusted that man like it. Well, you hired him, didn't you? Forced to take him by the ship's owners. Smart he was, but different. A fancy talker. Well, Captain, what's over and done with? Well, it's on my shoulders. I'll be blamed. For what? But you've safely delivered ship and cargo. But the murderer escaped... How can I bring him to justice? You've, uh, searched all the islands? Yeah, to no avail. I can no longer put off going to shore. It'll have to be a report of suicide. Big pardon? Suicide. That's the way I write it up. Unless, of course, you manage to recover the man before tomorrow. Only we can spend no more time looking for the body. 
I must get back. Captain, on a ship like this, you don't suppose there's any chance that... Well, come along. I'll show you every nook and cranny. I took him everywhere without once giving him a chance to pose the question I was sure he meant to ask. And at last, he was boosted over the rail and started down the ladder. So far as away! Sir, we've heard a most extraordinary story from the crewman with that captain. Yes, I'm sure you have. A horrible affair, isn't it? Yes, it is. These fellows had some idea the man was hidden aboard our ship. <laughs> Did you ever hear of such a thing? No, it's preposterous. They said there's a price on his head. A reward for turning him in. And punishment for anyone withholding information. Oh, naturally. Uh, tell the steward I'll be in my cabin and must not be disturbed. I'll see you at dinner. Beckett, thank the Lord it's you. I'm so cramped from that closet I can hardly move. Why didn't you turn me over to Archibald? You meant to, didn't you? That was never my intention. Didn't I get him to speak up loud enough for you to catch our whole conversation? Everything. Especially when you said I could be captured alive. What better way to throw him off the scent? Had he asked me straight out if I had seen you, I could not have lied. I'll be damned. But if you lied to me, I... I admitted the man was dead and my hand was around his throat. You also said you gave the order to reef the topsail. I swear I did. Archibald may think he gave the order, but he never did. He stood there and whimpered about our last hope. Whimpered. But the sea gone mad like the end of the world. Something had to be done. Shh. Someone's coming. Captain! Captain, sorry to disturb you, sir, but I think there's enough wind to get underway. Call up all hands. I'll be on deck as soon as possible. If there's really a breeze... If there is really a breeze, we'll all be very busy. And I'll be more of a prisoner than ever. Steward, where are you going? Uh, to make up your cabin, sir. Forget my cabin. Get below to make sure everything's fast in the galley. Well, I've already checked. Well, check again and stay there until we're out at sea. Yes, Captain. Ah, there she blows. Right out of the southwest. Looks like everything we asked for. We're anchor. Oh, she's a beauty! Unfurl the top mainsail! Hard to starboard! I thought your first mate would never leave. That damned marble bathtub is cold when there's no water in it. At least it's better than the closet. Oh, I hid there too when the steward came in. I told him not to come here until we were out to sea. From now on... It will be much more difficult. Captain, I cannot survive like this. Didn't you find those canned goods stashed in the closet? Oh, I've enough to eat. But I can't go on. I've had more than I can stand. I know now why you're protecting me. Hmm? You're so smart. Tell me why. We are both Conway boys. Plenty of men have trained for the sea at Conway. Yes, but they're all in the Royal Navy. You and I are mavericks. We don't belong. I chose my own way. And so did I. I didn't invite you to swim to my ship. But you let me come aboard. Only I didn't know you that... found out. We're outcasts, both of us. And whatever I'm guilty of, you're just as guilty. And we're both doomed. This is my ship. And I can do what I choose. Can you? You didn't feel that way yesterday. Ah. Uh, but I do now. And you can stay in this cabin to the end of the voyage. Oh, no, Captain. Not me. 
My freedom is very precious. But it's not here, cooped up in your closet or bathroom. I'd rather give myself up. You can't. Not now. The ship is under sail, and it's a long way to home port. Why, if you revealed yourself, the crew would mutiny. That would be a noose round your neck, not mine. All right, we'll... We'll find a way. I promise you we will. If you and I are so much alike, we'll work this out together. Now, here's a provocative situation. Two men are caught up in a drama where each is totally dependent on the other. Remember what I said at the beginning about people who try too hard to maintain their individuality? The loner attempting to hide his own fears may isolate himself so completely that he has nowhere to go. In Act Three, we'll find out what becomes of these secret sharers who, at the moment, are in a very vulnerable position. four days, the captain was a happy man. Dangerously happy. For the first time in his life, he had a close friend. A man he could talk to. In their whispered conversations, they found much in common. They argued. They agreed. They recalled their dreams. At first, it was just at night. But now, the captain spent more and more time with his double. The two men even looked alike as their dark heads bent over the table in concentration. It's your move. I know. And you're not going to like it. <laughs> I'm prepared to lose that bishop. Who cares about your bishop? When my queen comes over here, you are in check. Oh, not again. Someone's in the passageway. Oh, you're getting edgy. They're all at their posts. Well, they may be spying. I overheard something today that you should know about. Don't tell me that you left the cabin. Not on your life. But I opened the far porthole and the first mate was directly overhead talking to some of the crew. Oh, and what were they saying? Old, bless my soul, tried to reassure them that you are in good health. <laughs> I never felt better in my life. They asked if you caught the sickness from Captain Briggs. Why, that's outrageous. And what did Jackson tell them? He said you're a thinker. He'd seen all your books. And that was the reason you spent so much time in your cabin. Ah, bless my soul. Shh. Get away. Someone is coming. Yes, what is it? The steward, sir. What do you want? Uh, I have your jacket, Captain. You left it by the binnacle. Oh, thank you. I'll take it. Oh, he's just being pressed. I'll hang it up in your closet. Mr. Jackson, sir. Yes, Stuart. Uh, do you play chess with the captain? Uh, I don't know how. Why do you ask? Well, when I was in his cabin just now, there was this chessboard with all the pieces set up as if... Well, I've heard that it's a game people can play alone. I could have sworn there was another chair. And, uh, and, and two glasses on the table. I'm relieved to know that's what the captain's doing instead of lying sick in bed. But he is sick, Mr. Jackson. All I did was hang up his coat in the closet and he stood there all pale and trembling as if he'd seen a ghost. Well, take a look at him now. 
striding across the deck. Uh, Jackson, I want a word with you. Yes, Captain. Uh, do you recall our plan for going through the Straits? Well, I... I know how Captain Briggs would do it, sir. No, no, what we talked about yesterday. Yesterday, Captain? Yes, when I showed you the chart. Begging your pardon, sir. But you did not show me any chart. And then, I remembered it was you who studied the chart. I've been over it all again. And the place for me to be marooned is an island off Quintano. Marooned? You've been reading Daniel Defoe. Remember, I've been drowned. It would never do for me to come to life again. Only you're very much alive. I was brought up on the Bible. And I've been driven off the face of the earth. As I came at night, so shall I go. It's impossible. You can't. Not naked like a soul on the day of judgment, dressed in your sleeping suit. And I am a swimmer. The last day is not yet. I must leave tonight. It can't be done. At least not until tomorrow night. I knew you'd understand. But the ship is on the offshore tack, and the wind may fail us. No, no, we're still much too far out at sea. I'll manage. Not without my help. I'm counting on that. Ah, bad luck, Captain. The wind has died down. Uh, so I see. In my experience, sir, we may be becalmed for quite some time. May I reassign the crew? Give them shifts for relief in this oppressive heat. You should all have white hats, like mine. Uh, I got it in Rangoon. It's most unusual, sir. I'll be off to tell the men... Uh, Jackson, you... Jackson, one moment. Uh, be ready to call all hands on deck when we change our course. Well, I will, sir, but I see no signs that there'll be any change in the weather. Uh, we're not doing well in the middle of the Gulf. Now, tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for the land breezes. Captain, bless my soul. We can scarce do that in the dark with all those islands and, and, and reefs and shoals. Well, on this coast, any regular land breeze will be inshore. Now, we must get close to find it. Impossible to get close, Captain. It can't be done with the currents from the straits. You will follow my orders as I give them. Now, right now, send a couple of hands to open the two quarterdeck ports. Open the quarter-deck ports, Captain. What for? Because I... Because I tell you to do so. Have them opened wide and fastened properly. By now, the whole ship must think you're out of your mind. You've gone too far. This plan of yours is much too dangerous. I shall stand as close in as I dare and then put her round. What will I be doing? Presently, I'll smuggle you out of here into the sail locker where there's an opening. A sort of square for hauling the sails out. And it is never closed. Someone is sure to see me. Just before tacking, when the ship is dead still, you'll have a clear road to slip overboard through the open quarterdeck port. Now, use a rope's end to lower yourself into the water so there'll be no splash. Promise me not to go too close to shore. You talk to me about duty. Now you're risking ship and crew. Yes. Oh, here. Uh, take these sovereigns. What? I have six. Uh, three for you and three for me. What would a swimmer do? With... You never know what you need. Now, here. Tied in this handkerchief. Uh, they can be... Well, they can be fastened to your belt. Now, I must join the men at the supper table and try to pretend that I am perfectly sane. bareheaded, 
With the sun beating down, you need something to cover your head. I need to get my head under water, and the sooner the better. I mean when you get to shore. No trees on those islands, and... Oh, the sun is merciless. After all these months undercover, I'll glory in the sunshine. You will take my hat. You see, the brim goes all round. Here. Now, put it on your head. Captain, you are mad. A swimmer with a hat on his head? Well, then put it in your belt. You'll need it. And now, be off. Drawing in fast, Captain. The land is close. I've never seen that hill of coal ring before, not without the glass. Keep a good full ahead. You're going on. Straight on, that full. But, Captain, sir... The helmsman heard me. Straight on, that full. Merciful heavens, we're about to go aground. Captain's gone mad. He must be stopped. Call the second mate. Steady as she goes. I can barely see the sail. We are sailing straight into the jaws of hell. Jackson, turn up all hands. Where are we? We're lost. Be quiet. Looking for the land wind. Oh, I knew it would end like this. How are we done for, sir? We're too close to shore to come about. She'll drift ashore before she's come around. Ready to come about. She won't make it. We're too close. Go forward, Jackson, and tend to the head sheets. Shake them out. Helmsman, hard a Swing the main yard. But, Captain, that rock will get us broadside. Better to crash the prow head on. Had we come too close, our fate hung in the balance as the black mass of land loomed over the afterdeck. My ship and I were new to one another. It was too soon for the ultimate test. So far, she responded to the helmsman's lightest touch. But now, she came about, shuddered once, and then all was ominously still. If I failed to set the sails, if, if those menacing rocks seemed but inches from the port side, our course must be set by the tides. But who could tell which way they ran? I could only grope like a blind man. Call for torches on the lee side? No, they might reveal. But I, I, I could not think of him. Not now. I had to find out from which direction the breeze would come. I had to. Captain, the men are threatening to jump overboard and swim for shore. Before they make a move, order searching lamps trained down on the water on the lee side. Huh? Now hear this. Now hear this! It was deathly still. The water, like a pool of ink, with no sign of movement. I don't know what you're looking for, Captain. The slightest stirring of the current. When I find out which way it's flowing, we'll set the sails. Can't see a thing in those black waters. Well, look for a piece of driftwood. Not a sign of anything! I... I can feel it under my feet. The ship is inching us towards shore. Stuart, get me a piece of paper and be quick about it. Well, there's no paper up here, Captain. I'd have to go below and I'm not sure that even then... Oh, she's beginning to yaw. Jackson, Jackson, stay up here. We must throw something overboard that floats. I'll be down by the taffrail. crew was kept busy with the lights directed toward the shore, while I stared into the void beyond the stern. And there it was. My sign. My sign. Written clearly in the water. And 
And now I knew exactly what to do. The man at the wheel stood like a statue. And I was near enough not to raise my voice as I confidently gave the next order. Shift the helm. He jumped round to the other side and spun the wheel. nothing but make a nuisance of yourself. But you didn't think we'd make it. I heard you say we'd be dashed against the rocks. <laughs> How did the captain know exactly the moment to raise the sails? He found which way the tide was running. But how? I stared into the water and there was nothing to see. Take a look out there. Even in the dark, it's still in view. We'll all be. What? That's the captain's. Of course. Jackson, now that we've picked up a brisk breeze, why don't you come to my cabin so we can chart out what looks like a clear course ahead? Thank you, Captain. And if I may say so, sir, this calls for some sort of celebration. Oh, well, she, she handled very well. Ah, uh -uh, you did it, sir. Captain Briggs would never dare to do a thing like that. We could have stayed in the Gulf for days. Well, I saw no reason to waste time in these waters. What you did was a stroke of genius. I was hard-pressed to know which way the tide would run. Well, bless my soul, sir. I'll wager there's not another captain on the seven seas would have had a hat like yours to throw out on the water. Was the secret sharer still wearing that hat? We like to believe, as the captain did, that he was already safe on shore, a floppy sun hat carelessly abandoned as an encumbrance to his freedom. But from that moment forward, the captain was indisputably master of his ship. He had pulled off a dangerous maneuver which gained the respect of every member of his crew. There is a moral to this tale, and we'll consider it in just a moment. does a human being understand but one facet of his own personality. The captain of our story was given a chance to examine the other half of himself, the part that wanted to run away. From now on, he would find contentment looking up at the great curves of canvas or watching the water fan gracefully from the sturdy prow. He needed his ship. But Leggett was not cut out for the discipline of a seaman's life. He knew now that he could exist only as a wanderer. Each had found his freedom from fear, from loneliness. Our cast included Norman Rose, Mandel Kramer, William Redfield, and Court Benson. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.